0: give it up for matt avery
1: yeah (laughs) let's keep this party rolling um okay two things one on the uh the women's hang that's a great way to test the waters if you want to figure out if you want to be stuck with the women that are gonna be on the women's retreat for two days see if you can make the errington vineyards hang and if that feels good then you can do the retreat um (laughs) Also, I just wanted to mention uh, cl- or clarify for the two nights that we're going to be here at Aiken, the 14th and the 21st, those Wednesday nights, those uh, are not just for people that are in groups, okay? So if you are not in a group, we, still, we want you to be there, and there will be times for breakouts um, to, to talk with groups, and if you're not in a group, we'll just kind of have all those people together. Um, but this is really important. I mean, if, if Midtown West is your church home, we really want you to be there. So um please please plan on being there for those two Wednesdays. Okay. This morning we are continuing our series in the book of Acts. And um Ann Walton, are you reading scripture this morning? If you'll come on up. While Ann Walton's coming up to read, I'm gonna just tell you where we're going today and, and what I'm praying for. I'm praying uh, that Jesus will pick a fight with us this morning. And what I mean by that is we are about to read a passage, we're about to, to go into a passage where God does some amazing things, and I think too often we stay at a place where we just smile and nod and let this stuff wash over us, but really I think we probably have some feelings that need to come out, some anger, some disappointment, some questions of whether or not we even believe that this is true. And so I'm praying that Jesus would come like he did in the life of Jacob and just push us and push us and push us until we push back and the real us comes out. And so uh, I'm going to pray before Ann Walton reads. Father, we we are here to worship you and we are here because you love us good things for us here um, because you have yourself for us we were made to be with you we were made to have life in you and lord you are here to give us life in you and so i pray that you would not allow us to just sit back and receive and let this this word wash over us but that you would cause us to wake up that you would cause us to engage that you cause us to bring our whole selves um, we are coming from a lot of different places some of us are coming from places where there's been a lot of, uh, we'll just say, disappointment or hurt or confusion uh, caused from thinking about things like this. And so we pray, Lord, that you would not just allow us to, to sit back and let this wash over us, Lord. But please bring, bring us out, bring all of, all of the things that are in us to the surface to deal with you and you deal with us and change us, Lord. Thank you for promising that when your word goes out like this, it never uh, returns away. It always accomplishes the purpose for, for which you send it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us new life today through your son, Jesus, in his name. Amen. Acts 3, 1
0: through 21. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Okay, so in this, this study of Acts, this is the beginnings of the church. So if, if we're the church, we're going to go back to this very beginning, the origin story of the church, and, and allow the Lord to tell us uh, kind of like we did with, with our series on exploring who Jesus is, um, instead of letting all of our baggage tell us what the church is and what the church is supposed to be about, we're going to go back and let Jesus tell us himself uh, what we are about to be about and what this is that we're doing. And so uh, I've been giving us this concept of an exploring board, you know, where you ask people, hey, for the next few months, would you just dive in with us and commit to um, helping us figure out this thing? And then at the at the deadline of those three months for the, the temporary exploring board, you can decide to jump in with both hands or you can decide to leave. And so I think that's a really healthy approach to to this series. And so I'm asking us to lean in for the next three months until Christmas. Would you lean in and trust Jesus and and follow him and believe and stand on what he says that the church is supposed to be like and what's true about us now and see what happens and and see what happens. And then you can decide if you want to be a part of Midtown West at the end of that, or you can decide if you want to be a follower of Jesus at the end of that, because I think we live in this place where a lot of times we, we give up our power and our agency and we feel like, well, I'm here because uh, somebody else is kind of making me be here, I've always been here. You are, you are free, you are free, you're an adult, you can make your own decisions. And so um, we need to wake up, we need to engage, and please, if, if you if anything happens, don't let this be the thing that happens. Don't sit back and let this series wash over you and not take it into your hands and live it out and then move on to the next series. And I'm just gonna keep learning and learning and learning and learning and learning and never live differently and never change and never do anything differently because this, uh, God's word to us is, is living and active and we are living and active and he is living and active through us. And so that's what he's up to. He has sent us on a mission and... And this is a, a beautiful place for us to go to figure out how do we follow him in this mission? So we begin here with this, the setup of the story, Peter and John, the apostles, they were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. So they were they were doing what we talked about last week. They were devoting themselves to these ordinary practices for the Lord to do extraordinary things through this. And so uh, the Jews would go to the temple at a certain time every day to pray. That's, again, a plug for Thursday morning prayer. Um Very important. You guys laugh, but you're not joining us, so I love it. Um, (laughs) I don't know what's happening. Um, You're like, yes, yes. That's what I'm saying. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. Uh, Live into it. You can either say, hey, you're a liar. I think that's a waste of time. Or lean in and give it a shot. But these guys were going... Every day, that was their practice. And something was different this day. This man, he sat outside this particular gate that they walked past every time that they went to the temple, every day. And for some reason, this was the day that Peter felt led to this man. And Peter goes to this man, and he's just begging for alms. He's got his head down and his hand out, asking people for money. He's been paralyzed since birth. Everybody knows who this guy is because they see him every single day as they walk past him. And then all of a sudden, something's different, and this man gets a surprise. It says, Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. He fixed his attention on them, the man expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately The man's feet and ankles were made strong. Okay, so I want to stop here and ask the question, what is it that Peter had? He says, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. What did Peter have? And what do you and I have? So there's two issues here, and we're trying to, I think a lot of times we have fallen off into one of these two ditches in our lives, and I'm gonna pray right now that the Lord Jesus will help keep us on the road through this sermon. But when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, there's, there's one ditch that we fall into where you read this, a passage like this without any context, and you elevate this supernatural physical healing to the highest degree. And we believe that if we are followers of Jesus, that we should be able to do this anytime we want, however we want, all the time. Okay, that's one ditch that we want to avoid. Another ditch that we want to avoid on the other side of the road is that this is a story from a long time ago, and maybe back then God did stuff like this, or maybe even not then. Maybe it was a fairy tale back then too, and it wasn't real. But he certainly isn't doing anything supernatural today. And a lot of times we started... (laughs) Most of us are probably in the second ditch because we started by falling into the first ditch and getting our feelings hurt, and so then we ran to the second ditch. But guys, if we're going to take seriously, again, if we're going to get off the fence, if we're going to get up and be active, we have to do business with our experience with this. The, the supernatural working of the Holy Spirit in the people of God Do I believe that that's real? If it is real, how do I understand it? How do I engage with it? Because he's sending us on mission, and he said, you're going to accomplish the mission I'm sending you on through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if I never have any contact with the Holy Spirit's power, something's wrong, right? So Peter had something you and I have the same something, and what we have is not actually a something, it's a someone. It's Jesus. Acts 16:7 refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of Jesus. Romans 8:11 refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of God the Father. And Jesus says in John 14, "If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we Jesus and the Father will come to him and make our home with him through the Holy Spirit. So when you are in Christ, whether you feel it or not, whether you've ever known it or not, God himself dwells in you. The Father dwells in you. Jesus dwells in you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. They have made their home in you. And their power lives in you because they live in you. And so what Peter has... And what you and I have is not this superpower. It's not this ability to heal people carte blanche. It's not not like you got the ability to fly from the Holy Spirit and I got the ability to heal somebody's legs and together with our powers combined, Captain Planet. That's not what we're talking about here. And Peter will mention that later in this passage. What we have... It's it's like we are the glove and Jesus is the hand. What we have is Jesus himself living in us. We are vessels for Jesus. So when we move and groove in the world and we are open to his leading, he is moving through us. He is speaking words of life through us. He is doing works of healing through us. We are literally his hands and his feet and his mouth and his heart and his time and his attention because he is moving through us in this world. Jesus says, you have a helper who is with you forever and he will teach you everything you need to know. He will guide you on this mission that I've sent you on. And so when Peter says to this man, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. When he says in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he's not casting a spell. He's not saying like um, he is. He's not doing an incantation that has magical abilities. What he is doing is he is invoking the presence. He's not bringing Jesus to the scene. He's making known that Jesus is already on the scene and he's very much alive and he's very much active in this moment. He is pointing to Jesus and saying, anything that's about to happen is through him because he's not dead. He's alive and he's alive in his people and he's alive in me and through me, it's Jesus that's coming and healing your body. It is his power, his love, his authority, his work in the world through his people. And so now Peter has drawn everybody's attention a very alive and present Jesus. And then it says that this man, leaping up, he stood and began to walk. He entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And this gets us to the main event. Because as amazing as this is that this man who was lame from birth, his legs work now, that's not the main event. That is not the most important part of this story. The physical healing is not the main event. It is a sign just like all of Jesus' other healings, to point to something greater. It points to this deeper healing that we all need, but it's hard to believe and hard to see because we, we can't see it. This man being lame from birth represents humanity. Uh, we are all lame from birth in our souls. Our souls are all paralyzed and dead from birth. We don't know life apart from that dead soulness because of the fall, because of sin in the world, because of sin in all of our generations down from the first humans to ever walk the earth to now. Apart from Jesus, we don't know what it's like to be alive in our souls. Psalm 51.5, David says this and declares this truth. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. I don't know a day without the the damaging effects of sin in my life. My soul was dead. And just like this man was begging alms, and alms is a technical term for mercy for the poor, um, we are spiritual beggars. You remember in Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about the poor in spirit. He says, now there's good news for beggars. Now there's good news for those who need God's mercy because they're poverty of spirit, because I'm here to give you what you need. And we are crying out like this man in our souls, please help us, please have mercy on us. Isaiah 35 talks about this God coming to save his people from this soul paralysis, And it says, you'll know that he's coming because when he does, among other things, the lame will leap like a deer and the ransom to the Lord will return to him with singing and everlasting joy will be upon their heads. And, And all of this is pointing to Jesus's earthly ministry because Jesus is saying, look, I'm healing all these people. Yes, that's wonderful for them that they weren't able to see and now they can see, weren't able to walk and now they can walk. Jesus is for that. That's good, because sin affects our souls, but it also affects our physical bodies. It's this disease that's wasting in the world on every level. And so when Jesus heals bodies, it's not nothing, but it's certainly not everything, and it's not even the main thing. And when Jesus heals bodies, he's saying, look, this is a sign of what I'm doing that you can't see. But I'm doing these signs so that you can see me doing something so you know I'm not full of it. It's like uh, in Luke 5 when most of us are familiar with this story, but there was a man who was paralyzed that uh, his friends couldn't get this man to Jesus for healing. And so they climbed up on the roof. They cut a hole in the roof. They lowered him down on a mat. And Jesus sees the man who is clearly paralyzed. He knows, I'm sure he does, why these men brought their friend to him. And he looks at him and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Have a great day. And that was it. He was going to let the man go home still paralyzed. Why? Because he's cruel? No. Because that was what that man needed more than anything else. You need to know that your sins are forgiven because of what I've done for you. And now you don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be afraid of anything because I've made a way for you to have what you were made for, which is eternal life in intimate union with God. And your sins, not your lame legs, are what's keeping you from real life. But then there were those in the crowd who were these religious experts, and they were grumbling with Jesus, and they were saying, what is this guy doing? He can't forgive sins. And so Jesus looks at them, not the man on the mat. He looks at these religious experts and says, so that you may believe that I have the authority to forgive sins, that I have the authority to heal souls and bring the dead back to life so that I have authority to do the greatest work for you, you who are throwing stones over there in the corner, not the man who is paralyzed, but for your sake. Then he says to the man, get up and walk because you need to know that I can forgive sins. And that's what's happening here. This work that, that Peter has done is, is pointing to uh, or what Jesus has done through Peter, rather, is pointing to this Isaiah 35 fulfillment. Jesus is still at work. He is present. The Redeemer is here. And so you're going to see the lame leap like a deer. I mean, remember, let's not get hung up on the physical healing. Let's, let's go to the, the ultimate degree of physical healing. Let's go to Lazarus. Lazarus was dead, okay? Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. That's about as good as it gets, right? We're talking about physical healing. Okay, guess what? Lazarus was going to die again, right? He was dying again. And guess what? Lazarus still had Martha as his sister when he was alive. And so, like, when you are raised from death to life, and it's just this physical life, if you still have your same sad relationships and you still have your same brokenness, and you still have your same sin, that amazingness is going to be pretty short-lived when you're back living your old life, right? So let's not forget that. Jesus has come to give us new life, not more of the old life. And Jesus said, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these. And so when Peter realizes what's happening here, he sent this this man that everyone recognizes, he heals him, and the man is leaping and praising God and running into the temple with his new legs so that he can worship God. When Peter, when that happens, and all these thousands, literally thousands of people come rushing because they're like, that's the guy that's been lame from birth. That's the guy that I've seen every single day. And now he's jumping around praising God And so thousands of people rush to the scene, and then Peter realizes what's happening, and he's like, oh, this is the greater work. This is why Jesus led me to that man today, because he's also leading me to these thousands of people right now. And just like he did at Pentecost, if you were here a couple weeks ago, all this amazing stuff is happening, and everyone's like, wow, this is amazing, but I'm so confused. Peter stands up and says, hey, you're confused? Let me explain what's happening. And he does the same thing here. When when Peter preaches, he's a one-trick pony, and I hope that I am too. (laughs) Because when all these people rush together, Peter says, hey, if you're confused, let me tell you why this is happening. And then he proceeds to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And he says, why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, our own goodness, that we've made this man walk? Look, God didn't give us a superpower. We're not like these amazing people that are different from you. It's not us. We didn't didn't heal this man in our own power. And then he goes on to explain the need. And he said, look, if you don't see the connection from this man's physical lameness and paralysis to your soul paralysis, let me help you understand. Remember a couple weeks ago when Peter's preaching, he says, save yourself from this crooked generation, and that word for crooked is the word we get for scoliosis, this humanity with everything out of joint. And at, a, at our corest core level, we are out of joint and things aren't working properly because we're trying to live life apart from God. And we were made to live in relationship with God. So it's not going to work and a lot of weird things are going to happen. And, and in the same way, Peter says, if you don't see it, let me help you see it you killed the author of life. You were so crooked at your core that you wanted to murder the one who created life. And it's easy to read over that and think, well, yeah, i do that. But what Peter's saying here and what Jesus is saying to us through Peter is if all of the, the chains were loosed, and in the right circumstances, your crookedness of your soul would lead you to this place, and its ultimate manifestation is you would want to murder the giver of life. That's how messed up we are." And he says, "But don't worry, because this you killed the author of life. God raised him from the dead." And he used this in his will to accomplish his purposes, which is to bring you from death to life and bring me from death to life. He has done everything necessary to bring us back to himself, and death could not hold our Jesus. He has come and he has given himself, he has poured himself out so that you and I could have life in him. And then he says, and his name by faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. He's saying his name, his, Jesus himself is the one who has healed this man. And he's done it in the presence of you all so that you can see he can do the same for you. The, the word raised him up when Peter Raise the man up from the ground, that's the same word for restored. And he's saying just like we raised this man up, Jesus raised this man up onto new legs, Jesus is restoring your souls to new life. He is giving you new life where instead of wanting to murder the author of life, you will want to worship him because he's changed you. And he says it's the faith that is through Jesus that has given this man his perfect health. I want to I zone in there for just a second. Faith that is through Jesus. Whose faith? Peter's? Yes. This, this lame man's? Yes. Because what Jesus has done, because remember, it's Jesus who is doing this work. He has given Peter the faith and led Peter to this man on this day for his purposes. And he has given this man the faith to reach his hand up and take Peter's hand and believe that he could be healed on this day for his purposes. So it is Jesus who is living and active through this whole thing, and it's Jesus who is giving the faith that is necessary for him to bring this healing. And why has he given this man this perfect health? So that you can see it, so that I can see it and believe that everything else he said is true, and that we would repent. That word repent just means turn, turn back to God. We've been running away from God, trying to do life on our own apart from him, afraid of him because of who we are and what we've done. He's saying you don't have to be afraid anymore. Run back to him and receive him and receive this healing that he's given you through Jesus. And and then thousands of people came to faith. Thousands of people, because of the faith that is through Jesus, received this word and their souls went from death to life. And I want to ask this question Which is the greater work? Which is the greater work? Two healthy legs or 2,000 living souls that were once dead? I'm going to ask another question Which would be greater? 2,000 healthy legs? or one soul that was gone from death to life? And that's a really important question for us because it's so easy to get hung up on the miraculous physical healing and believe that that's the greater work. It's not. It's not even a drop in the bucket. And, and if God wants to, he can use you to run around and pray for miraculous healing for thousands of people, and, and thousands of people could be healed. But what I want and what I want for us more than that is the healing of souls because that is eternal. That is far greater. Jesus never had a response like this. When he told his disciples, greater works than these you will do in my name, he's talking about this. And he's talking about what he's doing in our lives today. Y'all, when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't have a lot to show for his work. He had a few people that were kind of still with him. Peter preaches this sermon, 2,000 people come to faith. He preaches the Pentecost sermon, 3,000 people come to faith. And Jesus is saying this to you too. Greater works than these will you do in my name because I will be doing them through you. So we are the beggar, but we are also Peter, and we need to know what we have to give to people. Acts 1.8 eight says it's kind of the theme of this whole book you disciples of jesus will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth will jesus use you as a a vessel to do supernatural physical healing in somebody's body maybe he might he still does that kind of stuff Will he use you as a vessel to bring dead souls to life? What do you think? Let's hear it. Yes. Yes. How do I know that? Because he promises to, and he always keeps his promises. Yes, he will. Absolutely, he will. And guess what? The Spirit's not just at work in us. The Spirit, it says in John 16, is at work in the world, convicting the world of sin. So Jesus is preparing these people that he's sending us to. So it's, remember, it's all him. He is orchestrating these meetups. He is orchestrating the words. He's orchestrating these leadings that he's putting in our hearts. And we're going to be surprised maybe of what we find. We're going to find some people who are ready to receive him. So what does this mean for us today? What does this passage mean for us today? Well, we certainly don't want to fall into either ditch, right? We don't want to get enamored by the supernatural physical healing and and think that that's the main thing because it's not. And we don't want to fall in the other ditch that a lot of brothers and sisters in our little corner of the church fallen into, which is that there's no supernatural work at all you we have the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit lives in us that lived in Peter. So this should give us boldness in having Jesus himself dwelling in us and leading us. But it should give us the humility that we are not Jesus. And that should lead us to really wanting to lean in and learning how to hear from Jesus and let him lead us. Lead us two people to do his work that's his will for the healing of the world. And here's another thing that this means for us. Don't ever 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 be afraid to ask God for something in prayer. Never. He can do anything. And 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 if if you feel him leading you to pray for something for someone, do it. And what if that doesn't happen? Who cares? <laughs> We are little children. We are learning to walk with our Father. He loves us. It's okay. We're, it's it's going to, sometimes we don't fully hear, we don't understand. It just takes time and practice. And so don't ever run away from an opportunity to pray for something amazing, even if it's something you've never seen before. James 5 says, is someone sick? Pray for them. The prayers of a righteous man or woman, which by the way, we're all righteous because we're covered in Jesus' blood, are powerful and they're working. If you've got somebody in your life who doesn't follow Jesus, don't be afraid to ask them, hey, what's something that we could pray for together that you would see, that you would believe that he is who he says he is? Do that, it'll be... Exciting, I promise. And the last thing this means for us is: um, don't obsess over the supernatural and miss Jesus working. I want to tell one brief example of this in my life, and any of these. But there's a, a neighbor that we had who was hit by a car and had a lot of issues, a lot of health issues as a result. Uh, had numbness all the time in his his hands from his, a spinal injury from the wreck. And he also had like the insurance company was really taking advantage of him and he was not getting the money that he needed for his treatment and he was just really hurting. And so I felt led to pray over him. And so what I did was I put out the call to about 15 people. About half of them were elders at at Granny White and and 12 South. And the other half were just guys that were brothers in Christ that lived nearby. And I said, hey, we're gonna pray over him this night. And, And of all those 15 people, three people showed up. Okay, one was an elder who was a doctor and one was not an elder who was an attorney. And we were waiting for the third person to show because they got confused on where we were meeting. And finally, it was long enough to where we were like, you know what, let's just go ahead and start. And I said to my neighbor, hey, tell these guys your story, just kind of fill them in. And then we spent time praying over him. And guess what? Right when we got done praying, the third person walked into the room. And now in hindsight, I can see what God was doing. He's saying, I want to show you that I brought exactly who I needed to bring to this time of prayer. And I kept that other man out because he wasn't going to be a direct part of what was happening. But the attorney connected him to an attorney that could help him and got all the insurance stuff sorted out. And the doctor connected him to a specialist who got all of the medical stuff sorted out. And God's like, do you, do you not think that was me? Answering your prayers for healing, answering your prayers for this insurance company through ordinary means, but in an extraordinary way. So he is working in so many ways around us that, that are varying degrees of what we might consider extraordinary. But it's all Jesus at work answering the prayers of his people because he has promised to be with us. And so just as Peter said to this crowd... He says, Jesus says to us now, turn back to God. Put down your sin, put down yourself, uh, put down your independence and run back to this Jesus. Embrace him as your savior and king. Why? Just as it says in this passage, so that your sins may be blotted out. So that times of refreshing may come to you from the presence of the Lord. And so that the Father may send Jesus for you for the restoration of all things. Because that day is coming. Today, unless he comes later, is not that day. We are going to be surrounded. We may even be people that have legs that don't work and have a lot of pain in our lives. That's okay. Because today is not yet the restoration of all things. Don't let that confuse you. But the day is coming. And he is using us as we move toward that day because the, most, the deepest and most important and the most supernatural work of all is the restoration of human souls. And he has promised that he has empowered us to be his vessels to do that supernatural work in the world. And so today, uh, as we come to the table, if I could get, can I get a couple people to move this table over here? Um, we have the opportunity to experience one of those times of refreshing that Peter talks about in this sermon. Because Jesus has said, I know who you are. <laughs> I know you are frail. I know that you need constant reminders that all of this is true and that one day the, the full restoration is coming. And so he has given us this physical experience, this physical sacrament, this mysterious union between the spiritual and the physical and said, I want you to practice this until I return. And this was instituted by Jesus on the night that he was betrayed he had his disciples in the upper room and he took the bread and broke it and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. You you murdered the author of life, but guess what? That was God's will and I was glad to be murdered so that you could have life. This is my body that is broken for you, feed on me. Don't feed on yourself, feed on me. And then he poured out the wine and he said, this wine is my blood that was poured out for you. And this is a new covenant between you and God. In the old covenant, you were about to drink the cup of God's wrath. But now you don't have to be afraid anymore because I have taken his wrath for you. And now the cup that you drink is a precursor to the wedding feast, the day of restoration where God marries himself to you for the rest of eternity. And so as we come today this table is for everyone. This table is for everyone who knows that they are a sinner in need of God's grace and who knows that Jesus is their only hope. Jesus is the only Savior. And so if that's you, then we invite you to come uh, and, and kneel, and you can um, put your hands out when you're ready to receive the elements. You can ask for prayer, and we would love to pray for you. And, um, and as we worship, just come and taste and see that the Lord is good.